listening to RMD Studios. Welcome to The Table, a podcast for leaders to build community, have conversations, and share resources. Welcome to The Table Podcast. My name is Sean Rainey, and I'm your host. This podcast is created by the Church Ministries Department and the RMD Studios. The Church Ministries Department is a ministry of the Rocky Mountain Ministry Network. And the goal of our podcast is simply to provide resources, training, and networking to the ministries of the local church. Hey, we still believe the church is the hope of the world, and we are here to serve you and your volunteer leaders. Now, we have a very special podcast today. Right now, we're in the midst of a couple of wildfires here in Colorado. There was a major hurricane that just hit the Gulf Coast. There is a lot of natural disasters happening right now. And so how we respond as the local church can really be so critical and so crucial in these moments. Sometimes we have just hours to act. My guest today is a really good friend of mine, so special because Pastor Jay Atkins is my mom and dad's pastor. Pastor Jay, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Man, what a pleasure it is to be here with you. I am excited to be able to uh, share a little bit with you. And bro, you know how much that we love you and your family. Uh, They have been, I I can't even begin to describe what a blessing (laughs) they've been to me. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, they've always cheered me on in ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, I know they love you, and they're cheering you on. Now, now, Pastor Jay, you pastor uh, First Baptist in West Wego. How long have you been in that church? I uh, came here in 2002, so I guess I'm going in 19, 19 years, somewhere around there. That's amazing, man. Now, I yeah. know in that area specifically, you guys have gone through some pretty major disasters, pretty major natural disasters. One that just comes to mind that I know, man, watching you navigate through and lead through was Hurricane Katrina. Um, Pastor Jay, how many disasters have you guys been through down there in the local (laughs) church and natural disasters? Man, I'll tell you what, uh, more than I could count. Uh, I was trying to think of uh, I was trying to think earlier when I got started, I have personally been involved in disaster relief uh, for a number of years. And yeah. like you said, even here, um, it's been pretty crazy, the number of hurricanes and events. I, my, uh, I know the church that I pastored previously in Kentucky, from Kentucky originally, we had a couple of teams that went over to the Atlantic coast in 99, yeah. 98 to do a couple of hurricanes. Um, I was in York after September 11th, just a few days, uh, probably by September 14th or 15th. Uh, we had a group that was there, li- lived under the Brooklyn Bridge and wow. served, uh, did f- feeding. And then I led a team over into Manhattan to do Bible distribution and prayer and, and that sort of thing. And then, of course, Katrina in 2005. And um, uh, that, <laughs> that was that was the whole thing itself. And then we've had here in West Wego, you, I'm sure you know, we've had couple of tornadoes that came through in uh, 2007 and 2008. Uh, our church has responded in ways uh, to the Louisiana floods of 2016. So, man, it's been, uh, I've been involved for a number of years in, uh, you know, uh, Southern Baptist work. We've got uh, behind the Red Cross and the Salvation Army, yeah. I guess it's considered the third largest disaster relief agency, but it's made up of 
associations and churches, you know, that, right. that respond and, uh, and it's very broad. And so there's lots of things that you can do in the midst of that. But yeah, Katrina was, um, that was a thing on its own, man. That was a whole nother world for sure. That's right. It definitely has changed even the landscape and, and what I appreciate. And the reason why I wanted you to help me with this podcast was Pastor Jay, I remember just watching you just thrive in those moments, not necessarily thriving in disaster, but, yeah. but thriving in meeting the needs. Um, I want to ask you just a couple questions about that because the focus of our podcast is, you know, really how do we really help our church staffs understand? Mm. How do we help our pastors understand what it means to be a true disaster pastor? <laughs> uh, that, that phrase has kind of come out uh, since Katrina, but uh, I want to just ask you this. What are some things uh, that just, you know, leading your church, leading your community through a disaster that you would want our church staffs or want our pastors to know? Man, that is such an important question, a really good question. Uh, the first thing I would say is that there is no right, there mm-hmm. is no one right response in yeah. the midst of crisis. That's good. Um, simply speaking, I would say that faithfulness to serve and a tenderness of humility when given the opportunity to meet the needs of others, that is what the church is called to do. Yes. Um, the body of Christ itself, man, is not here to be nice to people. Now, I mean, clearly, we're supposed to be nice, but being nice, niceness, is a common grace that all human, uh, all human beings are supposed to uh, explore. I have atheist friends yeah. who are nice in the midst of disaster. I have there are service organizations, the Kiwanis and uh, uh, the Rotary Club. They're nice. Uh, I have um, friends who uh, that I have known in the past who are part of cults, and they're nice. They do right. nice things. Being nice is not the primary call of Christ. That's we good. are here to specifically show the sacrificial mm. and unmerited love of Jesus to people who are hurting. Wow. And so whatever that means is, are we supposed to be nice and give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name? Absolutely. Yeah. But not just for the sake of, be, of, of serving, but for the sake of showing the love of Christ to others. Now, this is an important thing because sadly, in times past, the evangelical church has kind of acquiesced in some areas, in some parts uh, of evangelicalism, and has fallen into just a a social gospel suggesting that only like doing nice things is the gospel, man. It cannot be further from the truth. The difference uh, is that we are meeting, not just the physical needs we are meeting. I mean, atheist groups meet physical needs in the midst of disaster. Yeah. We are meeting physical needs for the purpose of getting to spiritual needs. That's good. That's the purpose of it. And so, uh, we have that opportunity presented to us, not to manipulate a situation, but to get to be Jesus to mm. people and share the love of Christ with people. That's, that's, the, that's the key issue, man. That's that, awesome. Uh, we've got to focus on serving in humility, with love, getting to Jesus, not just, or not just getting to people, but getting people to Jesus. And that takes different forms, you know, depending on the circumstances. That's right. So as you've kind of navigated through this, what are some things that that people did during the crisis, during a disaster that really stood out to you, maybe positives and negatives? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a few. So uh, a couple of positives. Disasters typically bring out kindness in people, mm-hmm. typically. I mean, you, you know, you can see neighbors and strangers that will go out of their way 
to help one another. Communities will kind of rally around the hurt. And those, those are wonderful things to see. Um, I've seen church bodies, church, different churches um, unite and connect around the mission of serving their communities and working together, sharing resources. Um, local church relations typically become much stronger uh, and ultimately benefit the community. Yeah. But there are negative things in the midst uh, of disasters. Um, there are going to be abuses. Uh, I'm sure you recall back even after Katrina, there were people who um, milked the system and abused yeah. things. There are always going to be people who are going to take advantage of the graciousness and sacrifices made by those who are willing to serve and, and give. I learned an important lesson early on. We cannot allow those who take advantage of our service from us serving. Mm, yeah. um, I like the old adage, sometimes you got to feed the, ne- the greedy to get to the needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a significant truth in that. And so there are negatives. There'll be people who, uh, even well-meaning people who want to help out, but will inadvertently become a hindrance. Yeah. Um, people who will come uh, to, to help volunteer because they're really, they want to be looked at, they want to look like a hero. That's right. Or um, they, they're, they're coming for a sightseeing trip. Yeah. Um, that, you know, even well-meaning people, I just uh, sent a tweet out the other day about, man, as much as you guys want to help, Please don't send clothes yes, in the midst right. of a major hurricane exactly. issue. People just want to go clean out their closets, think that's doing a favor. That stuff gets thrown away. You know, what's needed in a thing like that is, is uh, you know, issues related to um, water and volunteers to come and work and sanitary items, baby yeah. things. And so well-meaning people um, are certainly, uh, I, I get it and I appreciate their heart. Um, but, you know, well-meaning people is how we also get heresies in the church. They're well-meaning, you know, they're trying to, trying to flesh stuff out, but then it just kind of ends up going the other direction. So there's goods and bads, man. That's right. So there's a difference in, you know, kind of taking this missions trip mindset where like a disaster has hit maybe on the coast or maybe on the East coast or in California. And then we pick up our church people and we go and Mm -hmm. serve. But the difference here is what we're talking about is, you know, you're in the community where the disaster has happened. Like right now here in Colorado, um, we just have wildfires everywhere right now. And and actually one of these fires, the, the Pine Gulch fire just last night was upgraded to be our number, our largest fire in Colorado history. Wow. Well, the communities and the churches that are in that area, they are set up and they are primed to, to minister to yeah. these people. However, they're living in that community, right? right. Like the pastors, right. the staff pastors, they're living and they're going through the disaster. Let me ask you it this way. In the first 48 hours that a major disaster hits, a natural disaster, how important is that 48 hours? And maybe, maybe what are some of the key things? I know you mentioned there's not one cookie cutter, not one right way, but in your experience, what are some of the things that must be done in that first 48 hours? Man, it's like you're reading my mind. Um, Let me tell you, you know, you mentioned about, it was similar with Katrina, where it was gigantic devastation, where the communities themselves no longer existed. The Mm. kids from the schools and the church people were evacuated, and in issues related to fire, you lose neighborhoods. I mean, it's the people end up uh, being gone. A couple of things about the first 48 hours. First of all, if you are married with children, the very first responsibility you have is to care for your family. 
Yeah. That's the very first thing. If your family is in danger, you will not be able to focus or help or do anything. So you need to get that squared away. Um, the second thing, I mean, you need to make sure that they're well situated. Uh, then comes your church family. Um, try to, you know, with things like a hurricane, there, there's typically obviously time to prepare. Um, I, I often spend my time asking people to let me know what their plans are, who's yeah. going to be staying, who's going to be going in a situation like that. Fires are obviously different. Um, who, you know, am I going to have to go to certain houses to check on the people or the houses themselves afterwards? And so I'll kind of flesh through some of that. Uh, you try to prepare early on for some of these things, you know, I know, I think you're getting to a question about prepping beforehand. That is uh, intensely vital. Um, and so after your family and your flock uh, are, you, you know where they are, um, a quick assessment of the particular circumstances surrounding the event needs to be made. What's the nature of the event? Uh, yeah. Is it something related to one house, you know, where there's a, the, there's a house fire? Is it a neighborhood, a whole city, a whole region? Uh, is it national? Is it global? We're in the midst of a pandemic while all this yeah, is going on. That's right. And so, I mean, what, what are the issues then that, uh, and what, what must be done? What even can be done? Um, who's affected? Uh, what types of things uh, can have been in place ahead of time? What do you need to do? There's a big difference between needs that you immediately see and what needs actually can be met. Yeah. Um, it's overwhelming when you're looking in a neighborhood in complete disaster. That's right. And you, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to begin, but you just have to start. You know that everybody needs something, but you're only one person and yeah. you can only do one thing. And so once your family squared away, going next door and helping your neighbor, that's a, that's a big deal. One other thing really quickly is in the in immediate 48 hours, Make contacts with any partners or networks that you might have. Uh, that includes, like, you know, your own denomination, maybe local associations or affinity networks that you might be involved in. Do you have partner churches from outside your community uh, who may or may not be able to assist? Um, those types of things, when you can immediately get connected with other brothers and sisters, and hopefully in some cases that are outside, That's that right. might be able to come in and give a little bit of what we call early relief before yeah. those on the ground have, because, you know, when the pastor himself has lost his house, yeah. he's not in any sort of situation where he That's can right. help serve other people yet. He needs to allow himself to be ministered to so that when the time comes, when they're taken care of, they can then be that centerpiece and hub uh, in reaching out. So man, it's again, every, every situation is unique and distinct, yeah. uh, but it's all very important stuff. I love what you said about connecting with other organizations. You know, Convoy of Hope is is one yes. of those organizations, man. You know, you mentioned the Red Cross. There's so many, and and I love that they are uh, span the distance between denominations. Man. That's right. I love That's that right. We can partner, maybe because when when a city's going through, or even a church is going through a natural disaster, man, we're on one team. You yeah, know, we're on right. one team and, and we're coming together and I love that heart. So Absolutely. you talked a little bit about this, but how can a church thrive uh, mm -hmm. through a disaster? You know, I mean, we, we, we think about a disaster and think, oh, we have to pause everything or we have to focus on this. But, but switching our thinking to thriving versus just surviving. Yeah. Talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say that a church can absolutely thrive 
in the yeah. midst of disaster, but it's not going to be like you think. I mean, it's, it's not going to look like what you think. Sadly, many churches have been programmed to think in terms of numbers. Yeah. And therefore, our people, our pastors, are programmed to think in terms of numbers. How many people can you serve? What were you able to, what were you able to accomplish? Man, those are wonderful markers that can be real things of encouragement. But real success is far more intangible than that. That's right. Thriving is found in the obedience to the call of faithfulness. Wow. That's thriving in the midst of a disaster, whether you're in the pastorate or you're a, a faithful, just a follower of Christ who's faithful to the Lord. Real thriving is found in faithfulness and humility of service. I'm so thankful, bro, that God does not judge with the same rubric we judge. Yes, that's right. God, God desires a willing and obedient heart. And let me tell you, bro, the biblical testimony is that he's about quality, not quantity. Yeah, That's the Lord, and that's the biblical testimony. And so thriving is simply obeying the call to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mm-hmm. mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's awesome. It's the key. It's got to be the focus. There's, it's right. too overwhelming otherwise. It's too much in front of you. That's You've right. got to focus on being faithful, and the Lord will bring to pass the other stuff if you follow me. So tell me this, man. Let's break this down. I'm like the bullet point. Yeah, I hear you. Guy. I hear you. So give me your top three to five lessons that you've learned leading your church through a disaster that can really help our staff pastors and lead pastors. I think that's great. So number one, humility. Mm. Number one, humility. Now watch this. This is going to be hard, but you are not Superman. That's right. You represent God, Mm. but you are not God. So good. You need to know your limits and guard them well, because you will not be able to help anyone when you fly past them with all of your well-meaningness. That's right. You have to understand that you can't do this on your own. Number two would be an intense sense of flexibility. Mm. Um, things are not going to go as planned. The fact that it's a disaster itself tells you that by nature, it's going to be chaotic. Yeah. Um, you have to have a plan, but you've got to remain flexible and flow with events as they transpire. That's good. You've got to rest daily in the provision of the Lord. Number three, rely on others. Mm. Man, pastors get this whole thing in our mind and it's sadly some of us like it. Some of us, it's thrust upon us, but we think we're the guy. And yeah. so hey, we got, we've got to fix everything. Yeah. Everybody's got to, you know, they're going to come to us for all the need. Listen, man, there is strength in numbers. Good. It is going to take an army of people to put things back together. There are people that you love who are there to help you as you lead. You might need to reach out, but reach out. Ask for help, man. Don't be shy about that. Furthermore, be the one that reaches out to another yeah. brother in the midst of the difficulty, because we have to rely on others. How about number four? I have found that God's people are a blessing. Mm. God's people, the church, from volunteers to financial help, to words of encouragement, to hugs when you need it, serving alongside of God's people is a tremendous blessing. And bro, it will sometimes be the only thing that will keep you going in the midst of depression. And then number five, and I I said this from the very beginning, I'm going to say it here. Share the gospel. Mm, Share the gospel. Do not be timid. This is not an issue where, oh, people are hurting. Now let's ram Jesus down your throat, down their throat. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about verbally presenting the gospel message. Don't beat them up. Don't condemn them. 
don't run them down, but do more than just tell them that Jesus loves them. Tell them that, but do more than that. Actually share the message of forgiveness and restoration that's found in Christ. Because ultimately, that's what's going to last. Yes. Bro, crises come and go. We're going to have more hurricanes. We're going to have more floods. We're going to have more fires. Let them know that you're doing this because of the love that is modeled through Christ. And he is eternal. That love lasts. So then actually be friends with those people, not just befriend those people. That's right. Man, that's so good. Our mission as a church does not go on pause. That's the right. Great Commission does not go on pause during natural disasters. That's right. And I that's love right. that, Pastor Jay. So we talked a little bit about making a plan and being flexible. And, you know, nobody plans on going through right. a disaster. But if, if we could have a plan in place, what would that look like? And I, and I know you're talking about being flexible and no cookie cutter. So just in, in the best way that you can, what is a... How can we start sure. informing this plan? How important is that? Yeah, I think it's vitally important. In fact, planning for the difficulty and the possibility of natural disasters, and it's not just natural disasters. Yeah. Followers of Christ, we are supposed to plan to serve one another. That's we right. are sacrificially supposed to be serving one another. So, man, everything from uh, – it could be as microscopic as making sure you have a defibrillator in your church Yeah. Um, to – making sure people have the information they need ahead of time. You know, here the government publishes uh, programs that have all the contra flow maps and all those sorts of things. I mean, I'm just talking about the, the rubber meets the road, tangible things. Yeah. Make sure people have those stuff, the, the phone numbers of government agencies and, and helps. Make sure that you have built good relationships with your local government. Yeah, Man, you ought to be, um, you ought to be loving on the people. Even if you vehemently disagree with them politically. That's right. Love the people who are elected to serve you, just like Jesus tells us, like Paul tells us. Love them. Make connections with them. Let them know that you're there to serve. Have a strong network of other churches, of brothers and sisters in Christ from around um, outside of your own church, even if it's just fellow pastors. Yeah. Have a network of them. I mean, it's it's really very tangible. All of those things are universal. Yep. Those are the types of things that you can do, that you can actually walk through, make yourself a list and walk through, um, making sure that you can engage and that you've got some, again, you don't know what the thing's going to throw at you, but when you've got some outside love and prayer support, sending up artillery to the Lord to make yeah. sure that you guys are covered when you're dealing with that stuff, um, when you've got good relationships, when your communication lines are at least available those are the things that you can do tangibly um, to, to prep. You know what I mean? I love the fact of just connecting with your local officials, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be a time where you wait until a disaster happens in your right. neighborhood. Right now, people are thinking it's, about it. Right now, right so now. That's go right. to those officials. And guess what? Most churches have big parking lots, yep. open spaces. They're looking for staging areas. Man, what an avenue to go in. Schedule a meeting right now with your local officials saying, hey, I know it's not happening in our neighborhood, but I want you to know when it does, we're here for yeah. you, man. What, a, what, what great advice. Man, that sort of network is so important. In fact, strangely enough, how about this for the provision of God? Uh, back during Katrina, uh, there was a, a fellow that was an associate pastor of a church in Georgia. We, were, we, we hosted what they call the Georgia Kitchens. Yeah. Uh, and so we were at, set up at the Alero Center and we were uh, getting food out to everybody, including West Jeff Hospital. Well, the guy that was the kind of local helper uh, of the, from Georgia 
that was kind of running the teams that came and went, um, is today the National North American Director of Samaritan's Purse Disaster wow. Ministries. That's amazing. And every time there's a every time there's an event that comes uh, to our shore, I get a call from my friend Bruce Poss. He he called me the other day and said, "Bro, what you know about Southwest Louisiana? What can we yeah. do?" And so that sort of stuff, man. Those, right. And those are those are friendships that last. Yeah way outside of disasters, but man, what a blessing. God uh, sets those things up ahead of time. So as we wrap this up today, Pastor Jay, if you could tell church leaders, churches, staff pastors, lead pastors, anything right now, Mm. what would you want them to know? I did not realize that after Katrina, I needed some help. Yeah. I, I, discovered that, and you wouldn't think this is the case. I mean, the people who are, there's even a term for it now, a clinical term called compassion fatigue. Wow. Um, Mm. I literally had PTSD. Uh, Apparently there's only so many flooded houses I can go into Mm -hmm. and see a, a, a woman pull out her moldy wedding dress and it not affect me. And so I'm going to tell you, man, you have to take care of yourself. So good. You have to take care of yourself. One of the hardest times in ministry I had was during that time. Um, And it sounds crazy, but my wife knew enough to get me out of here um, in by the, by 2006. And we made our first trip, not to bore you. We made our first trip to Disneyland or Disney world. And man, on day six of that vacation, I broke down sitting, sitting in front of Cinderella's castle. I was mad that she was making me leave because yeah. I was like, there's too much ministry. We've yeah. got to go serve. There's all the, all these mm. people are here. It is watch these people are relying on me, mm. man, I, Michelle, I've got to get back there. This is a, this is a waste of time. I broke down sitting on the bench in front of Cinderella's castle. And I, for the first time I thought I can't go back there. I don't even know that we need to, to go back. Let's start again. Like I, I had no idea the, the mental toll this thing was taking on me. And so, bro, if I can share anything um, with my brothers and sisters who are going to be experiencing some compassion fatigue, it is take care of yourself. Wow. There was an FBI chaplain that came and served us during that time. And he gave this example of a sponge and a bottle and a big bowl of water. And he kept telling us, you know, he kept, he, he would dip that sponge in the, in the tip of it in the water, pull it up and say, look, man, this sponge, that, that didn't even do anything. And he put the whole thing down in there, pull it up. And it just soaked up that water. Yeah. He said, but the problem is when the sponge gets completely soaked, you know, he rang it out, filled it up under the water, pulled it up. And all this water came pouring off of it. Mm. He says, if you don't com- decompress this little fella, um, Joe Williams was his name, was a yeah. chaplain FBI served during the Oklahoma city bombing and that sort of wow. thing. And he said, if you don't decompress and he wrung that sponge out, he said, there is nothing you can do. You can't, you can't soak up anymore. That's good. And and if you don't decompress, he kept telling us that, you know, and there were these pastor friends that had lost their homes and we didn't lose our home during Katrina. And I just thought it's my responsibility. I got to keep going. Got to keep serving. And I got to, got to Disney world. And because he kept telling us, get away, get away, unplug, decompress, man, I did. And when I came back that first meeting of the pastors, we gathered back together and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, Jay, you got away, didn't you? And I was like, yes, I I cried. I just didn't know. I thought I was fine. So man, there is something to be said for taking care of yourself and your family. If you, you can't focus if you don't, you won't be able to help serve other people. 
If you don't take care of yourself, some people might quickly say, well, that sounds selfish, bro. I'm living proof that you're not going to be able to help anybody else. That's right. Unless you are as squared away as you can be. So faithful service to the Lord, faithfulness, obedience, realizing that you can't do it on your own. The humility that comes with that. You are not Superman. You need help. It's, it's vital, bro. It's vital. I think that's the most important thing I think I could say. That's amazing, man. Pastor Jay, this has been so great and so rich, man. I, I so appreciate you being open and, you know, even just that last part, that's great advice for everyday ministry. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, we sometimes just think that we have to suck it up and keep going. And, and, and there comes a point where, you know, if we're not refilling our tank, if we're not refilling our cup, you know, how can we pour out? And, yep. you know, thank you for just being open and, and, and sharing some of those things. Um, I, I just want to wrap it up with giving you the last word, man. Anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to say about just leading through disaster? Friendships, connections, um, the, the lines of communication. Set that stuff up ahead of time. Like you mentioned, go, go meet your mayor and your city councilman ahead of time. Just not, not for political expediency but to serve Jesus later. You never know when that opportunity is going to happen. Building relationships with other brothers and sisters at other churches. Man, net, networks. People, people, sometimes, people sometimes want to mock the idea of networks. Those are blessings from the Lord. That's right. We can fellowship together and have those sorts of things. So, man, communication, friendships, fellowship uh, is the thing that buoys us in the midst of difficulty. That's right. Well, Pastor Jay, thanks for your time. Thanks for being open. Guys, this has been so rich, been so great. For more resources just like this one, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also go to rmdc.org under our church ministries tab for plenty of podcasts, plenty of resources to help you and your local church grow. Thank you for gathering around the table today. Thank you for spending time with us around the table. For more resources just like this one, visit thetableresources.com.